Northwest Christian School Online provides online Christian education for any students ranging from kindergarten to 10th grade. The tuition is fully covered through the state of Arizona's ESA program and is affordable for families out of state. You can count on NCS Online for a rigorous, proven online program that establishes a robust biblical worldview for all students. For more information, go to ncsonline.org. That's ncsonline.org. The brothers, for you and I to live for the kingdom of God, it's going to require a, a perspective shift, a new way of thinking, a new mindset. What in the world would it mean to pray, Thy kingdom come? Seek first the kingdom of God. Know that your home is in heaven and live as if that's your goal. What we've done in the past simply can't be done anymore. That we lived our life in a certain manner because it was basically a Christian world, a Christian culture that we're living in. That time, those times are over. It's not enough to be a believer. It's not. You, it is not sufficient for you just to believe and that's it. You cannot be a believer. Being a believer leads to being a follower. Instead of all these things we're worried about that consume our thoughts and our minds, instead of using your mental energy on that, instead, seek his kingdom. What in the world would it mean to pray, thy kingdom come? All right. Well, folks, thank you for joining us once more with Dr. Tracy Munsell of Arizona Christian University and Arizona Christian University's Cultural Research Center. I'm going to going to hit pause uh, as we have enjoyed yesterday, just a tremendous conversation rooted in the research they've done on a worldview inventory from within American culture. But the, the more I talk with, with Lynn Munsell and Tracy Munsell, the more excited I get about this Cultural Research Center and its trajectory. And so I'm going to actually go off script here for just a minute, and I'm going to ask Dr. Tracy Munsell, I'm going to twist your arm a little bit. Can you tell us, give us a little bit of a sneak peek of what's down the line for Cultural Research Center? What are the things, if you don't mind, what are the things that are you're, you're working working towards right now behind the curtains? Well, um, I'm so happy to answer that question. I'm very excited about it. We have two main projects that we're continuing to do. That's a student worldview inventory where we measure the biblical worldview of our student body. So we're continuing that. We're also going to be doing the third iteration of our American worldview inventory. And in this, the third version, we're going to be looking at um, pastors, churches, and what's the worldview in the church? Wow. And so that's one of the things we're going to look at. Uh, this past year's um, American Worldview Inventory 2021, it was the first time that anyone's ever looked at um, not only the biblical worldview, but the competing worldviews of American adults. And we're going to move into, um, into more of a church context for this third version of the American Worldview Inventory. Um, separate from that, we're going to be doing some major um, research initiatives. Dr. Barna is going to be doing um, adoption as an option research in January, and um, we're also going to be looking at uh, looking at the question, how can we make biblical worldview training stick? Um, mm -hmm. Dr. Barna is going to look back at his research from about 20 years ago when he wrote the book Transforming Children into Spiritual Champions, and um, uh, our hope with that is that we can provide good research and resources for this generation of parents and grandparents who work and live and love, um, uh, live with and love 
uh, kids and how they can build a biblical worldview into kids today are, are K through 12 and not adults. Wow. So how can we do that? We're excited about that. Um, we're also going to be taking our American Worldview Inventory online, um, the ACU Worldview Assessment. We're going to make that available later this spring um, to churches, individuals, organizations, um, partner ministries, so that people can go online and measure their own worldview um, and, and then uh, work from there. And then within the next two years, we're going to be taking that same worldview inventory and adapting it for use in K-12 through education, um, testing children fourth grade, eighth grade, um, and 12th grade. Oh, really? Different I, tests at different developmental Right. Stages. And so the, the, the um, kind of the, the dilemma, the, the problem that we're looking at is how do we take a, an existing survey that's geared toward adults and put it in language that 4th graders, 8th graders, and 12th graders can understand wow. and then um, provide a measurement for parents who, put their, who have their kids um, either in homeschool, well, any school setting, K through 12, Christian school, or even the public schools, and see what their worldview is. Yeah. And so I think that's another service that we want to provide um, in, in terms of providing ways in which to build biblical worldview nationwide. Boy, if I could, if I could ask you to hit the turbo button on any one of those projects, it would certainly be that one. Yeah. That when, yeah. when that's ready. I hope you'll give me a call because yeah. we're we're ready over at Northwest Christian to yeah. to see that implemented. That's yeah. neat. And I knew you would be. And we're bringing together um, our faculty who have an expertise in K through 12 and and elementary education. We're bringing nationwide experts together to make sure we get the language right so we can really measure um, what the worldview is of students going through these different programs. All right. Well, you sold your first copy there right here. Now. Okay. Yeah, that looks fantastic. Well, let's get, you know, one of the reports that, that just recently came out the end of 2021 is titled millennials in America, new insights into the generation of growing influence. And, you know, there's some, so as you said, I love the way you put it in the last episode. You said it is both discouraging, but once you press past that discouraging information, there's some real opportunities. Mm -hmm. And this generation is a generation that has an appetite for truth. And I think part of that is just the frustration with what we talked about last time, that the emptiness of moralistic therapeutic deism. People have a hunger for the potency and the power of the gospel. And that that is really powerful. But before we actually get into the report, I, I just want to ask, what was it that, that motivated you and Dr. Barna to use this report? As, what, where did it come from? What, what motivated you to write this? Well, um, it was in partnership with Foundations of Freedom, who uh, sponsored the legislation. Uh, but uh, a longer-term purpose of that is we're in a university setting. Our students are millennials. They're the youngest part of the millennial generation. Um, and this type of research hasn't been done. We know that the millennials have been studied uh, a lot, and but not in terms of looking at these specific questions all in one place, in terms of relationship, God, mental health, and kind of purpose and, and hope. What do they see as hope for the future? So we have a, it's a really comprehensive look at this next generation. Um, uh, it's available for free on our website, yep. um, culturalresearchcenter.com. You can get a free digital download there because we're just going to touch on really a, a 10,000 foot view of this, yeah. this project. And it's, it's almost 200 pages 
of in-depth research. So if you're interested in or work with um, the millennial generation, I'd encourage you to get it because you'll find things there. There'll be nuggets that you can connect with and use um, in your ministry and the work that you do. And that that's our hope. Um, and so we've always been about um, college students, the next generation, and this was just a great opportunity for Dr. Barna to, to complete this research. And it's probably one of the biggest research projects he's done. It's and very comprehensive, right? yes. Wow. Well, and, and you know, one of the things that, that grew out of this was a definition of what it is that younger uh, millennials. And, and when we're talking about these millennials, we're really talking about people that would purportedly adhere to what they understand to be biblical Christian faith. And yet there are some surprising uh, tenets that they're holding to that are anything but biblical. Mm-hmm. And I want to hit a few of those. Um, let's see. It, for example, one of the things, um, despite a dramatic decline in belief of the transcendent, in, of a transcendent uh, sovereign God, atheism has not been embraced by millennials. So we've got this declining understanding of who God is, and that's discouraging. On the other side of that coin, there is not a growing influence of atheism. Right. That's that's really interesting to me. Uh, it's interesting to me that millennials place far less importance on church-based religious activity in their lives when compared to previous generations. Um, that's interesting, especially in a, in a COVID reality. And I wonder if that doesn't explain some of the hard, hard times that churches are having bouncing back from the lockdowns. Right. And if you look at the millennial survey, it's done during the pandemic. It was mm, in the field point. last year. So um, we didn't particularly check for that particular factor, but um, certainly knowing the context of the research, it, it as you say, it's probably a factor. Yeah, absolutely. Um, here's an interesting point. Concern about the afterlife, heaven and hell. Uh, has been replaced by an emphasis on living in the moment and making the most of this present life. So it's almost as though the consequences of our daily decisions are being ignored in in favor of living in the present. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, and here, I think, is probably the most discouraging outcome. Truth, a pivotal concept for the Christian faith, is viewed as the product of emotion rather than fact and is seen as flexible. Can you talk a little bit about that? What, what within these, these conclusions, did they surprise you? Um, did they, what were your thoughts on these? Um, su- again, um, surprising in some ways in terms of, especially the, su- the, the one that you mentioned about, they're, they're re- rejecting a lot of biblical truth, but yes, they still consider themselves spiritual. They, they haven't rejected the idea of a transcendent being. Mm-hmm. They're still spiritual. Um, and uh, obviously, um, if you look at human nature, we're wired for relationship with God. We're spiritual. The question is, how are they filling that spiritual need? Yeah. Um, and we're seeing all kinds of um, rises in different kind of spiritual experiences. And um, anyway, um, so to me, that looks <clears throat> positive in terms of 
um, there's an opening there. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say, too, that atheism is a systematic um, philosophy of life that you have to embrace. Here's my starting point. You have to make some decisions along the way and say, I am an atheist. And so I think that's one of the things that this generation is rejecting, saying I'm an atheist or I'm a Christian or I'm anything else. Um, they're, they're kind of leaving their options open because I, they're very synchristic in their thinking in terms of I'm going to pick this piece or I'm going to pick that piece and put it together and see what makes sense for my life in the moment, kind of that mindfulness, mindfulness movement. And um, I, th- I think you're seeing that in how they approach spirituality as well. Well, and another point made within the report that I'm wrestling with actually is is the millennial perspective of Jesus, yes. the person of Christ. And I'm, I'm wondering if you can help me understand some of these numbers. The research shows that roughly two out of three millennials, 65%, say that they are Christian. That that proportion is similar to the national average, mm-hmm. currently 69%. The biggest generational difference, though, is that among millennials, the label Christian is not a statement of commitment to the namesake of Christianity, the person of Jesus Christ, or to embracing biblical principles and beliefs. Rather, the term has taken on the connotation of simply being a good person, regardless of religious beliefs. Recasting Christianity is basically a generic form for a positive, a generic term for a positive life. Uh, millennials have a problem with Jesus Christ, apparently. Most of them uh, don't. Uh, the research found that six out of ten millennials hold a positive view of Jesus. Right. Yes. So that's interesting because they're not. They've got a positive view of Jesus, and yet at the same time, they're not necessarily adhering to the whole of his commands, to the whole of his teachings, or the outcroppings of his church. Yes. So I think what you see is a distinction between things that have been messed up by human beings, the church, religion, uh, kind of Christianity, practiced out, evangelicalism, um, versus the person of Jesus who is beyond corruption by the things of this world. Interesting. I think that's part of it. Um, I think a second part of it is also relational. Um, I think they see Jesus as as a relational figure not necessarily as an authoritarian, this this is what you have to do mm. um, in terms of, it, 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 this is just my supposition, and it, 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 I, the research is what it is. They see Jesus as very positive, um, and so that could be one reason. So maybe the pendulum has swung a little bit, you know, because we, we used to say it was popular to say, you know, Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. Right. But is it possible that that pendulum has swung too far to the relationship side where we're not really understanding who, uh, who Jesus is as the king and the Lord of my life? Right. And what and, that requires. Yeah, and, and I don't want to go too far down this road, but, but how do millennials view relationship? It's tolerant. Um, uh, you know, no judgment, um, those types of things. So I think that maybe that's a more comfortable place to land. But I would flip it over and say that that their view of organized religion, um, their view of pastors and whether pastors are trustworthy, um, kind of the outcroppings of the organized church, they're they're fairly negative about that so, comparatively. Yeah, and you make a reference to the the. 
you know, the, the manifestation of, of the church is an expression of the person of Christ. Right. And, and the fact that millennials are moving away from active weekly participation within that church. What are your thoughts there? Did that surprise you in the research or, or I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, not really surprising knowing where they are as a generation. Um, I, I think you, what you have is a much higher percentage of millennials basically unchurched and not ever even stepping inside a, 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 a Christian church. Yeah. And so um, for those of us who raised our kids in the Christian church, that's just mind-blowing to us because it was just like a, a weekly experience. But I think that's um, a, a fairly large percentage of this generation and then once they go off to college you have to find a church and sometimes you're just at a point in life where um, you don't see the need for it Um, church attendance tends to go up uh, once people are married Um, there tends to be a a rise in it so I think there are a lot of factors that come into play that are both spiritual um, and cultural in terms of the drop away from the church, which has been happening for a while. And you referenced the fact that, that increasingly uh, a number of millennials are leaning away from their trust of, of pastors and ministry leaders. What do you, to what do you ascribe that? What do you think the reason for that is? Is it just their, their loss of faith in the institution of the church? Or is it more than that? Um, I I think there are a number of factors uh, at play. I think there's a a general distrust of institutions, Mm -hmm. um, politicians. uh, I mean, trust level nationwide, culture-wide has dropped, and I think it's reflected here. Um, It's easy to... Um, there, there's more of a, um, it's easy to be critical of a pastor versus um, kind of a, an amorphous, you know, the, the church or whatever. Yeah. And so um, uh, the flip side of that is, um, uh, and, and um, let me find this stat, okay. Um, it, 54% of them say they do have trust in pastors. So, you know, it's oh. kind of down the middle, but it, but okay. it's higher than other, than other generations by quite a bit. Interesting. Yeah. So on the subjects of truth and morality, I'm, I'm going to read another uh, quote from the article and ask you to react to it. Close to 6 out of 10 millennials, 56%, argue that identifying moral truth is up to each individual and that there are no moral absolutes that apply to everyone all the time. Today's young adults are more likely to reject than accept the notion of moral absolutes by a 5 to 2 ratio, 56% to 22%. To most millennials, morality is conditional. The Cultural Research Center survey uh, among young adults also showed that they determine truth based on a fluid combination of personal emotions, past experiences, and the advice of other people. A small minority of the generation turns to the Bible as their primary source of inspiration and truth. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and and really, um, as you're mentioning those statistics, I'm surprised that number isn't even higher. I mean, if you combine um, all the cultural forces, there's very little in their lives that would affirm 
biblical truth, the value of the church, the value of Christian spirituality. Um, and so uh, they're finding the answers to, you know, what's good, what's true, not from those sources, but what's most available around them, which mm, is interesting. Um, yeah, culture and media and friends. And um, put it this way, if you're in our culture today, uh, chances are, as you go through your 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 day, unless you're looking at it, looking for it, the average millennial is not going to hear anything about scripture or truth or uh, or the Bible or anything good about church. And so, those forces from culture are incredibly powerful and shaping, and in some ways, even um, affirming of what they already think they believe to be true about those things. Wow. And I do think. Um, when we were raising our children, I remember um, the issue was relativism. How do we fight relativism? Well, we're beyond relativism. Yeah. There's no discussion about, you know, is my truth truth or is it relative or whatever. It's just, no, there isn't any. Yeah. Um, so, Interesting. Yeah, so I would... They're, they're not even seeking it. And it kind of goes back to that idea of, like, no judgment. You know, I'm tolerant of whatever position you have. And that leads to them not even thinking about... Um, the conception of truth, what's true, what's, you know, and, and then you go back to your, your, your point about them kind of living in the moment. Well, then you just do what feels right in the moment and what, yeah. what you think is the right thing to do. Um, having a moral compass at some level requires that you've given it some thought. What do I believe? What do I think is true? What do I know is false? And if this circumstance comes up, what would I do? It's kind of like they arrive in a circumstance and go, okay, kind of in the moment, um, you know, how am I, how, how am I going to get through this one? Yeah. So as we, as we wrap today in light of all this information and, and just holy cow, just a, yeah. a huge amount of information and folks, again, the information is available for free, uh, at the cultural research center.com. Uh, I'd also encourage you to go to www.arizonachristian.edu and right there on the lead page is, is this report available for, for you to digest and, and to go through it. Uh, but Dr. Munsell, you're, you're a professor, you're a writer, you're, you're a researcher, you're a mom. And, and what I want to do now is I just, to our parents um, on, on our campus and, and parents that are listening to this podcast, what would you say to encourage them in light of this information? What, what steps should we be taking today uh, as parents of young people that, that are growing into this generation um, that would, would produce life and spiritual vibrancy? Right. Um, well, I'm going to address specifically the question of millennials okay. uh, because we've been talking about the millennial research today. And one of the really um, interesting statistics is 75% of millennials are searching for meaning. Um, they, they lack meaning and purpose. Um, uh, a majority of them want better relationships. Um, a majority of them want... Um, a better relationship with God. That's one of the, if they could make a change in their life, um, that was one that listed high, maybe not a majority. But um, we've been having this series of what we're calling millennial action panels. We had them in January um, where we talked about this study and, and brought in experts in the church and psychology um, from across uh, the spectrum to talk about what do we do. Um, and one of the stories, one of the analogies that one of the panelists made w- was 
was just so great. He basically said, um, imagine that millennials are like a new town. Okay, you, you're moving to this millennial town, and you have a food truck, and you learn that in millennial town, everybody's starving. Hmm. And you bring your food truck in, and you know you're going to have business forever. Um, and so the whole idea is the millennials are starving for spiritual truth. Yeah. And so have the conversations. Um, one of the pieces of advice was just make friends with you know millennials. Take them out to dinner. Bring them to your house. And don't have an agenda. You're not trying to... to um, uh, you know, defend biblical truth or anything else or lead, advocate. You're just building relationship and then just ask them questions because they want to be listened to more than they want to be lectured. Wow. And so... Um, authentic, sincere authentic, relationships. Yeah, hospitality. Um, and they, they really, they're hungering for what we have to give. Um, think that food truck analogy, it, it's right there. Yeah, they yeah, want meaning powerful. and purpose, and how can we walk alongside um, in whatever area we're in with the people that we interact with, with the millennials that we interact with, um, and help them to get the sustenance that, the, that they are so longing for. Wow. Yeah. Well, Dr. Munsell, this has been fantastic. And and like I said, between between our recording sessions, I almost need to take a transcript of this conversation no. today and go back through it because it has been so rich uh, with information. I'm going to be processing this conversation for for a long time. So thank you. Uh, you have get, you have an open invitation to come to our campus. I know you're a grandparent on our campus, but at the same time, I need to get you in front of some parent yeah. universities. Yeah. Your, um, a wealth of resources and information. And so I'm just grateful for the time that we've had today. Uh, folks, I'm grateful to you. Thank you for tuning in today to Kingdom Culture Conversations. Northwest Christian School has made Biblical Worldview online courses available to all high school students for transcript credit regardless of whether they attend public school, private school, charter school, or homeschool. Frameworks is an exciting new initiative utilizing the learning management system of Grand Canyon University. For more information, visit BibleClassesForPublicSchools.com.